the one thing that he pointed out to me that I didn't really take into account was that Elon Musk has been going about this in a very public fashion. But what he's doing is he's just trying new things out. He's very much a giant form of trial and error. And he's showing the world on a very public, and I mean very public scale, that it's okay to make mistakes. Because every mistake that he makes, he tries to fix it immediately after. And honestly, dude, another really nuanced topic is e-waste and kind of navigating this new issue of the fact that incredible customer service could be bad for the environment. Welcome back to the Digital Dive Podcast, a conversation about tech. My name is Darsh. I am heavily caffeinated, and I am one of your hosts. I'm Jacqueline. I'm your other host. This week, we're talking about Elon Musk versus Apple. Like, We're going to literally break down everything that's happening here because it's an evolving story that has a lot of context from the past that a lot of people probably don't know about. And then we're also going to talk about how good customer service could actually be bad for the environment and how we think companies should go about dealing with that. If you like what you hear this episode, guys, make sure to hit that follow button on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts and make sure that you get notified of every episode that we put out. And it ultimately helps us get the show out to even more people. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And I guess let's just jump in. Okay, Darsh. Two things. We're recording a bonus episode where we're going to talk all about our Spotify wrapped because Darsh and I just went through it together and it was the most wholesome thing in the world. So that is coming soon. That is two years running, by the way. Yeah, that's the second year. So it's now officially a tradition. And then also we've just took two weeks off because it was Thanksgiving in the US. And then I think the week before I was in Hawaii and Darsh has had a lot going on in his life too that maybe he'll share soon with the pod. But We missed you guys. And so we just wanted to say we're back and we're also changing the schedule for the short term to every other week. So episodes will be out on basically two Mondays out of the month. And we'll update you guys when we go back to weekly. But for now, that's the new schedule. Yes, sir. So we'll be back and doing these episodes. It actually, maybe this is the narcissist in me, but it's kind of, uh, it's kind of fun being back and hearing my voice as I record. <laughs> it's just like, you know what? Like, why not? And like, mm, I, I feel like I sound great right now. I'm so close to the microphone. It's so intimate. I, I hope you guys are enjoying Well, it. dude, one of my friends told me that they think your voice is like melodic. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's good to hear. I've been getting a lot of uh, compliments in terms of my singing recently, which is really interesting because I always thought I was a Wait, really are you a singer? singer. Why? No, I'm not a singer. I just, I always thought I was a trash singer. And then now I got, I got told that like, I'm, I apparently sing pretty decent. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting to know. I want to hear now. When am I going to get to hear you sing? You know what? We'll, I'll sing on the podcast when our Twitter hits a thousand followers. So if you can, guys can double our following in the next couple of months, I will sing on podcast and you guys can hold me to it. So yeah. Love it. That is now the new mission. That is the now the new missions. But speaking of Twitter and talking about some uh, really interesting uh, new information and developments that have come into play here. So Elon Musk, if you guys weren't aware, recently bought uh, Twitter, the social media company, for $44 billion. And as of recently, actually called out Apple's uh, CEO, Tim Cook, over multiple issues, including advertising and the fees Apple charges to the developers on its app store. Jacqueline, thoughts? This is loaded. You know, this app store thing, I feel like keeps coming up because Apple has a lot of power in the fact that they take 30%. And this is not the first time that we've seen this be an issue. Obviously, Darsh and I have talked extensively about this happening with like Fortnite. Oh, yeah. But I think the fact that Elon Musk is in the mix has made it a bigger deal. So before we hop into our opinions on it, Darsh, you just want to like maybe give a little background of like the story and how it's kind of unfolded. Yeah. So just going back to the basis of it all. So in about April, Elon came forward and was like, yeah, we're pretty much going to, I'm going to buy Twitter and I want to just like bring it out from this heap of trash that he claims that it was. 
And so he's been trying to build it up ever since. He ended up laying off like more than half of the workforce, cut down Twitter to being almost from like a couple thousand uh, people company to maybe like 50 to 60 people pretty much running the entire thing, which is absurd. Um, he introduced a new feature called Twitter Blue, where you're able to get uh, limited ads as well as a blue check mark and all these other extra features that aren't necessarily super enticing, but it's for $8 a month. And that's actually part of where this entire story starts getting interesting. It's because he ended up canceling or planning to put pause on the Twitter Blue subscription service based on the fact that Apple's charging these fees in its app store. And Apple, as a result, in their form of backlash, decided to pull their advertising from Twitter, which happened to be Twitter's largest advertiser on the platform. So this is really, really interesting for Elon because as he comes into this company trying to prove that, yes, like I can actually build up the company and I can bring in more money, he just lost their biggest advertiser as a result. And alongside so many others who have now paused advertising on the platform as a whole. So I think it's extremely interesting to see how it's kind of playing out here. Yeah, I agree. I think that what's really interesting is that when you, like our last episode was kind of a breakdown of Elon Musk and how he's approaching Twitter and some of the erratic behavior. And so I think that when you have someone like that leading the company, it doesn't give advertisers a lot of faith in what's going to happen if they spend their money with you. And because it is a competitive market, obviously Google and Facebook are also offering advertising. A lot of companies just don't worry about it. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy because so Twitter is like a huge advertising platform, definitely not as big as that of like Facebook and Google, but they do actually produce a lot of money in advertising. And it does, it does tend to influence how the platform goes about a lot of its different policies, because similar to like YouTube, for example, where they had the entire um, adpocalypse a couple of years ago, they were really beholden to that of the advertisers. They didn't have full ability to control their marketplace and their platform as they'd like, because they were really stuck on trying to appease these advertisers. and. Twitter is no different here. They have very much been a, they've been very beholden to these advertisers for a very long time, which is why so many different people have been getting kicked off of the platform aside from their own, I'm going to say childish or inappropriate behavior in the media. With that being said though, it's interesting to see because now there's also this entire conversation of Apple potentially actually removing Twitter from the app store altogether, which a governor in Florida had recently stated that this is a, this is a really raw exercise of monopolistic power here. And it might actually merit a response from the United States Congress because like this isn't, it's very much Apple proving like, like do, do not mess with us. Like, like we, we run you, you don't run us. What do you think is going to happen here? Like, do you actually think Apple will pull out of advertising? I think Apple is going to try everything that they can to make Twitter understand or make Elon understand that like they are not, they are a force to be reckoned with. And this like 30% app store tax where they have developers pay 30% on whatever payments are done through the app itself. I think that in and of itself is going to cause a lot of issues and Apple will initially probably pull full advertising from Twitter and then move to start beefing with them in some respect in terms of the tax. And then if that all doesn't work, it's going to be them pulling it from the platform, from the app store as a, as a whole. And I think that's where we're going to see a lot of issues arise because then it starts bringing into question a lot of things that brought, were brought up during the high profile battle with Epic Games, where they were fighting with the app store in terms of with the game Fortnite, where they weren't actually able to spend in app anymore because it was getting too expensive. So they ended up creating an in-house browser that would actually have users go on the website and pay through there instead of through uh, the Apple ecosystem. So I think there's, there's going to be a lot of interesting developments in this story over the past the next couple of months. And I think that we're definitely going to be keeping you guys up to date with what's going on because this is, this is a big change. Social media is a, is a huge landscape now. And it's, it's a lot bigger than it was in terms of advertising 10 years ago. And it's, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a really cool or really interesting battle between the two CEOs playing out over the next couple of months. I agree. I think that what's really interesting is that 
Apple is kind of experiencing the pushback on the tax from multiple companies, Mm -hmm. but there's kind of two issues here, right? Because it's the tax issue, like of Twitter not wanting to do the verification through the app, but then it's also the fact they spend like $100 million in advertising and what that will do for Twitter's business model. But overall, Twitter's business model is wild, like how unstable it is in comparison to other, I feel like, advertising first companies. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like since 2020, the top 50 brands on Twitter who advertise with Twitter has spent nearly $2 billion in advertising with, with Apple actually having spent over $100 million a year on ads as, as according to Bloomberg. So it's really interesting to see like their biggest form of revenue is advertising, which I guess is what Elon is trying to fix with this Twitter blue campaign, trying to get more direct, direct revenue coming from the consumers rather than just B2B sales. So that makes sense to me in that respect, but he's doing it in such a weird way. He's but okay, I actually want to preface this too. I was in an interview yesterday for a job and I was, the CEO had asked me a question. And he was like, what are your thoughts on Elon and Twitter? And I gave him my response as you guys have probably heard over the past couple of episodes. But the one thing that he pointed out to me that I didn't really take into account was that Elon Musk has been going about this in a very public fashion. But what he's doing is he's just trying new things out. He's very much a giant form of trial and error. And he's showing the world on a very public, and I mean very public scale, that it's okay to make mistakes. Because every mistake that he makes he tries to fix it immediately after. And he, I, maybe his intentions, the way he's going about it is not the greatest way. It's not in the greatest way. It's not in the, in the best insight or best respect for the consumers, but he is doing it in such a way that it's showing that it is okay to mess up and that we are all human at the end of the day and we don't know everything. We are very much learning. But at the same time, he's coming to Twitter and he's pretty much destroying the platform and I, it's become this entire free-for-all landscape for advertisers. And it's become a free-for-all landscape for the consumers who are all getting Twitter blue, verifying themselves, and then pretending to be people that they're not. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's been even lawsuits, right, of like companies losing money because someone saw a tweet from someone that's verified that acted as if they were the company. Yeah. So it's kind of causing chaos. Oh, absolutely. It's like, like right now, Twitter is a very, very sensitive and I think chaotic landscape. And I don't know necessarily where they're headed in the next couple of months, but I'm very interested to see because Elon is the type of guy, it's make or break. He's either going to break this platform and we're going to lose one of my favorite social media networks, or he's going to completely change how we think about using Twitter. And it might be for the better or for the worse, but like, I think that with Elon's track record might be for the better, like he did with Tesla. So it's, it's a very interesting dynamic here in this tug and this, this pull and tug kind of war between him and these advertisers and trying to make Twitter this very free speech centric platform, which is a whole other conversation in and of itself. Yeah, honestly, I want to, I would love the audience to let us know, digital live listeners, if you guys want an episode breaking down like our thoughts on free speech on social media, because it definitely is a very nuanced topic. Mm -hmm. And honestly, dude, another really nuanced topic is e-waste and kind of navigating this new issue of the fact that incredible customer service could be bad for the environment. Like if a broken thing is broken, sometimes it should just be replaced, but It'd be better for the environment sometimes if they just repaired it. But obviously, like with ideal customer service, like if you break your phone and they just give you a brand new one, it feels good. But maybe that's not the best thing for the environment. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I want to just give a little poetic like snap for you right there, like a little a little clap as well. <laughs> that was an amazing transition. And, and like considering that we haven't made and like actually recorded an episode in like three weeks, like this is this is pretty sick. Like that was a great 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 transition. <laughs> uh, but no, absolutely. Like I know for myself, I've gone through so many different customer service departments, and in, in an attempt to get things fixed. And I've gotten just new replacements. Like I remember, do you remember the Pebble watch? Like years ago, the fir- like one of the first smart watches to come out. Yeah, of course. So I had the Pebble Steel and I was having like some pretty like decent software issues. But again, I'm going to reiterate here. These were software issues and they sent me a full new Pebble as a response. 
don't get me wrong. I was, yeah. I was floored. I was like, wow, I can have two different bands, one on each one, like one for sports and one for like, for like aesthetics. And I can like fashion myself out like that, which was great. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, like, this is terrible for the environment. You've now sent me two watches and you fixed, you fixed them both through a software update, but you didn't need to do that. You could have just sent it a software update and be like, yeah, we're working on the software for that. I'll, I'll let you know when, um, when we have that pushed out, it should be in the next couple of days. That would have been a great response from customer service. But what they did instead was overnight me a brand new product. And this is, this, this is the same case with Apple, with Nintendo, with Samsung. Anything that breaks, they're very much like, okay, instead of fixing it, I'll just send you a new one. Like, like what, what are you concerned? Like, we'll give you a brand yeah. new product. And for the consumers, this is great. But then you have to start thinking about the environmental impact of all of this. Totally. The environmental impact is actually huge, right? Because if they do that at scale, it's almost like doubling the e-waste. If, or let's say that like half the people need a replacement product, which would be high. But if half the people do, it's almost like selling 1.5 devices and it's broken parts. So the phone doesn't get handed down because it's no longer working. So it doesn't stay in the market. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it's, it's a very interesting um, thing that they're doing. So this is all based off of a uh, Verge report that recently happened. They were breaking down how uh, one of their writers and reporters had actually broken their joystick um, on their Nintendo Switch. And as a result, instead of getting a brand new joystick sent out to them to get to replace themselves, they were sent a whole new Joy-Con. And, and he said himself, he's like, don't get me wrong. I'm extremely grateful to have a brand new Joy-Con, but it's also very sticky of a situation because you could just send me a replacement stick as well. Because you could reach out to the manufacturer, get the replacement for the joystick, and then just install it yourself. He said it himself as well. It's hard to open up a product and try to fix it yourself, especially if you're not very familiar with this. And it can be very nerve wracking, which I understand. So for the most majority of consumers, this wouldn't be the way to go. But he even said, he's like, I just went on eBay. I found a broken one. And I sourced it for parts. I took out, an extra, I took out the Joy-Con and uh, took out the joystick there and installed it onto my device. So I see like both sides of this. And I think Apple actually did a really good thing with their entire introduction of uh, their self-repair uh, program where you can actually buy the tools and specific parts from Apple directly. So you can fix like the screen or um, replace the back glass or change the battery and all these small things that you'd go and probably just buy a new phone for. You can do all these things yourself, which I think was a great play on their part to try to eliminate e-waste. But in Apple fashion, it's still really, really, and might I say, really expensive. Yeah. How do you think that we navigate this? Like, how do you balance wanting to give like the best customer service, but then also like keeping in mind the environment? What I would think to do would be instead of saying, hey, let me just send you a replacement and you can keep the old set. It'd be like, hey, let me send you let me send you a replacement, but send back your old one. We're going to fix it and we're going to sell it as a refer. Mm, that's a really good idea. Because at that point, like, like Apple's done this for a very long time where they'll buy back phones, refurbish the phone or even any device in their, in their ecosystem, and then they'll resell it. And Apple also is very good about fixing, not replacing. They won't replace until absolutely necessary. And then even then they still take your old device and they'll use that for parts. So like Apple with e-waste has done really, really good. And I think they're very much an example of a leader in this space. But at the same time, it is very nuanced in the sense that it is hard for smaller companies, for example, with a smaller supply chain and with a lower manufacturing, I guess, scale, like lower manufacturing scale. They, they can't manufacture the same scale as other companies. They're lower economy of scales there. They're unable to actually go about going to a manufacturing plant and just getting like pieces on command is very much like, hey, like we built this for you. That's all we can provide for you. If you understand my drift there. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see how they go about it. But Jacqueline, what are your thoughts on this? Like, what would you like to see ideally in, in this world? I think what you just described of like having, giving you a new device and then having you send back the old one to repair is probably the most ideal situation. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's what makes the most sense because at the end of the day, I think if we only think short term about like creating the best customer experience possible, but then we end up effing ourselves long term because the environmental waste is so high, we're not going to be in a good spot. And so, I mean, I think about this all the time with our jobs of like, are we promoting an unhelpful upgrade cycle, for example, like an unrealistic one? But I think that the main thing that would fix it is just a better repair program where like, yes, people can upgrade frequently, people can get a new customer experience, but let's send back the old devices and either take them apart and reuse parts or fix them and then like add them to the resale market. No, absolutely. I I think also like my question to you then there is what what were your thoughts or what are your thoughts about like right to repair and like self-repairs? Like if a company were to make a device a bit more modular, like the way, the way they did with the iPhone 13 and the iPhone 14, where it's more user replaceable now, and there's more instructional guides online about how to go about replacing small things or like very easy things like the screen, back glass, or even like the battery, would you think that that would be a better move? Or would you still think that getting a full replacement would be better in terms of both customer service, but also e-waste? Because I think one is good for customer service and then the other is better for e-waste. I think probably for e-waste, that's better. But I think for the customer experience, people kind of like getting the new device. But I honestly think that certain replacements are fine. And like if my screen broke and they just replaced my screen, I would feel totally okay with that. I wouldn't feel like I need a whole new phone. Exactly. Exactly. Like it is very true. I mean, given it depends on the the severity of the display loss. Like if you mess up your display and then everything else around the phone, they just replace the, the screen. It's like, okay, my phone still feels dinged up. Like as my, I, I speak from this from my own personal experience as someone who does not rock a case on my iPhone 13. Um, I had like this thing oh, has fallen. Bold call. Like, okay, here, here's the thing, right? So for my little mini rant here with my phone, it falls out of my pocket. I don't drop it. That's what I'll say. It's mm. every time it's fallen on the floor, it has been from me wearing a pair of pants that do not have deep pockets and the phone just slips out because it's naked and it's glass and metal. So it'll very much just slip out of my pocket very easily. Like I'm wearing a pair of pants right now where like I'm literally just not putting my phone in the pocket because I know it's going to fall out if I bend over. Yeah, my phone also falls out of my pocket and it falls off my desk. Interesting. Is your desk on a slant? No, but like it literally is just so slippery. Like the Pixel 7 especially constantly falls off uh, okay. my desk. Okay, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, no, it, it's a very big thing of like, okay, I, I understand like the customer service behind it. It's like, okay, we want to be the best in customer service. You have a problem, we'll fully replace your device. And that kind of assurance is great for the vast majority of consumers. But then when you start going into this entire eco and e-waste situation where you're destroying the environment by having these excess products being manufactured for no reason, that's where it becomes interesting because and it's also not even just e-waste, but then it's also the pollution and the runoff that comes from like manufacturing these extra devices. And then there's a whole other issue then with uh, supply chain issues. Like I know Apple's having a huge issue right now in China and one of their biggest plants because the, the workers have gone on strike, cutting off the supply chain and making it almost impossible to find an iPhone 14 for the holiday season. Yeah, I saw that as well. That's actually a very interesting issue to kind of explore. And I think that that plays into this whole other like darker side of tech where it's like, how are these devices actually getting manufactured? And what's the, I guess, like the butterfly effect of you're buying a device and then replacing it? Like, what are all the steps? Because it, there definitely are some less than wholesome parts of the industry. And like, it'd be great if we were able to make more ethical phones and phones that were not as bad for the environment. Absolutely. That would be something that I would like in the week, to be honest. I was about to say, like this is like the <laughs> amount of e-waste that I've seen and been and been hearing about in the news as of late is absurd. It's definitely something I don't like in this in the space this week. But speaking of stuff that we liked in the space this week, really, really harsh transition there. But let's talk about some stuff we liked this week. 
a segment of the podcast where Jacqueline and I give you some of the greatest stuff that we did like this week, end the episode off on a high note, and just offer you guys some cool pieces of content that you guys should go check out. But yeah, Jacqueline, do you want to start out with number one? Yeah, my best friend just bought me the actual cutest glassware situation of my entire life, and I'm freaking out about it. I'm using it right now. But basically, we go to this coffee shop that has like the cutest little mini spoon and like mini jar of milk, and the glasses are like the perfect density where it honestly makes a drink. I feel like 20% of like if a drink is good or not is like what glasses. Oh, absolutely. Um, and she like actively re- reverse image searched and like found every single part of it and just gave it to me, which was the cutest thing ever. So definitely something that I like this week. That's awesome. That's awesome. My first one, first one I like this week is, and I feel like this one was one coming, Casey, Casey Neistat. He's been posting so much more frequently and I haven't been on YouTube too much. I've been staying off of yeah. watching too many things during the day just to keep myself more productive. But last night I sat down and got down this entire rabbit hole of the past like six videos that I haven't watched of his. And I love it. Seeing him back in his element, making this content and making such great content too. It's not like it's this full vlog style that he used to have. It's this new generation of vlogging that he's brought back to the space that I've really appreciated. And I think that he's just absolutely crushing it. Casey, I don't know if you're listening to this, but if you are loving the videos, man, you're absolutely crushing it. And everyone who's listening right now, go check out his latest couple of videos. They're very, very interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think Casey is the greatest of all time, of course as a person and a creator. That's an amazing one. My next one is my Spotify wrapped. Um, Darsh and I have, are gonna have a bonus episode coming out this week, breaking down the wrapped as I already said, but personally my wrapped as a listener um, was pretty wild. So first of all, I'm like very confused. None of my top songs were from Midnight's, but like I've listened to that album more than any other album ever. And so I feel like maybe it just cut off because I know that they stopped tracking for wrapped at like the end of, I think October. Mm. And so it probably only had like seven days of my listening to it, but like, there's no way it wasn't a top song this year. But my top song was a song called Jigsaw. My top artist was Taylor Swift though. I spent 23,000 minutes listening to her music this year. Wow. Big Swifty over here. Big Swifty. (laughs) Overall, I spent like 70,000 minutes listening to music, which I think is really high, right? Yeah. I mean, I I think my total was somewhere similar, not 70,000, but I definitely, I definitely had pretty high. I think it was 30 or 40,000 minutes listened to this. Okay. But that's awesome. It's a lot. I love Spotify wrapped. It's so fun. Like I think Spotify wrapped is like the best. Honestly. Yeah. Surprisingly enough, actually, my next one was going to be my Spotify wrapped as well. Cause I looked at it this morning and I was honestly amazed by the amount of content that was just depressing needless to say this year was definitely a sad year for me (laughs) you were Um, going through it i was going through it for a solid portion of this year and i looked at my spotify raps and i was like wow like this like my top my fifth highest song was one of the most brutal sad songs i've ever it's like probably by far (laughs) one of my favorite sad songs to listen to and i'm just really feeling it but at the same time it's like scary uh it's called uh can we please go back okay and it's, it's like, it's this, it's this, uh, like, I really like the chorus cause it's like very melodic, but then the rap itself is very fast paced. And it's very much like this guy telling a story about how he broke his girl's heart and uh, how much he like wishes that he could have been better and like fixed it. And like, he knows he's such, he's such like a, for lack of a better word an in terms of like, he cheated on her and he was like, he's like, I recognize my okay. cheater and like, I'm terrible and I need, I need to fix up. And especially when I'm feeling like, like I'm starting to get a little bit more self-destructive in my own thoughts. Like that's something that I, I tend to listen to a bit more frequently. And I heard it this morning and I was like just feeling all these emotions from like the past year. I'm like, wow. Like for one, crazy to think that music can do that, play that much of an impact on you. But then for totally. two, crazy to think that like that was most of my years listening to this song 
And then on the complete other end of it, listening to a song vi- overly sexualized, which was just hilarious. I thought it was like a very interesting, like <laughs> polarizing opposite to one another. My first and my fifth. It's just like the music. summary of your year. <laughs> Sounds like it, honestly. That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, dude. I mean, good for you. Like, I, I, you know, that's funny. I feel like my 2020 wrapped was like very sad music, but it's funny how music can literally encapsulate like how you're like feeling at that moment or like how a part of your year went. Like if you were happy for like a lot of months, but you had, you had one really bad month, it would completely skew the wrapped. Oh, absolutely. Especially because like in that one month, like people, especially myself, like I listen to, I tend to listen to more music when I'm, when I'm upset or I'm in my feelings. Cause I, I want to sit down and like, okay. I, I want to kind of sit down and like, kind of like just deal with it. Like let it all kind of run its course. And the music kind of helps emphasize that and help me just kind of work through it a bit, at least for me personally. So whenever totally. that happens, yeah, like, it's, it really influences my, my Spotify rap. And funny enough, this top five song, Can We Please Go Back? It's by Anth. But this was on my Spotify rap last year too in my top five as well. That is wild. So for two years running, it's just been, it's been there for you. Two years running, it's, 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 been a, it's been a nice cathartic, but also like a crap on myself kind of song. <laughs> That's terrible. I hope your 2023 rap looks really positive. Honestly, I'm starting to all get love on that songs. wave. I'm getting on that wave of not yeah. even love songs. Like I'm getting on the wave of just like, yo, like if you're listening to sad music all the time, you're gonna be sad. So listen to some happy music, keep yourself up to, up to beat, upbeat and just like happy and like living your best life and everything around you will kind of follow in that suit. But absolutely. Totally. I actually fully agree with that. Like sometimes if I'm listening to like too much sad music, then I do feel like it does affect my mood a lot. Exactly, exactly. And Spotify actually picks up on that because of we talked about this in an episode like months ago, but their AI working to create different mixes for you based on your mood and based on what you listen yeah. to in different moods it can analyze and find it and then build out your playlist and these playlists are like shockingly accurate um that's all i'm gonna say there yeah they're wild but i also the other cool thing and we're gonna end the episode here but Darth, what do you think should we do the bonus episode on wednesday of this week yeah i think i think wednesday uh this week from you guys listening to this on the monday wednesday the bonus episode will be out as well so if you guys are already making it to this point of the episode first and foremost thank you i'm just gonna be a little round of applause you made it and uh, now you get the inside, you made it <laughs> you got the inside scoop that wednesday we will have a bonus episode coming out for you guys talking about our spotify rap for the podcast uh which we're going to record right after this episode so with that being said i want to give a huge shout out to uh, ideal constantine as always for the amazing intro and outro music that you're about to hear as well as you guys for making it this far if you guys want a chance to be featured in our next episode we're bringing back the review shout outs so make sure to drop a review down below on either any platform that you listen to. And we're going to go look at these reviews and give a shout out at the beginning of the next episode. So definitely, definitely go check that out. Yes, please do. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to our entire team for an excellent year. I'm sure that we'll do a more formal thank you at the end of the year wrap up, but just wanted to thank our incredible editor and Adil Constantine for the intro outro music. And we'll catch you not next Monday, but the Monday after 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you guys next, next week. Perfect. Bye.